You're listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. To learn more about Highland Baptist Church, please visit our website at hbcmolino.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Josh Helton. There's peace in His presence. Thank you for that this morning, Trey. And I hope that you feel that peace this morning being in the presence uh, of Jesus. Let's, uh, let's go to Lord in prayer before we uh, start with our, our sermon this morning. Father, we, God, we come to you again today asking for that peace that comes with your presence. Lord, I pray that as we look at your word, God, that you would move in the hearts and lives of all that are here, all those that are hearing, whether they're in the room or whether they're online, Lord, those that hear your message. God, I pray that you would challenge them, change them, myself included. God, I pray that the words that I speak today would not be my words, but they would be your words. Because your words have life. And Lord, that's what we desire to see today. Is life to happen because of you. So Lord, be with us as we walk through your scripture, your truth. Help us to understand it. Help us to apply it so that we can better follow you. In your holy name that I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to continue walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We've done that the last couple of weeks and uh, we've I told you it's interesting how Jesus started this, this Sermon on the Mount. He, he started with some characteristics that, that felt very lofty uh, for his uh, people to attain. It was, it, there was stuff in there that's just really hard for even for us today with the full picture uh, to, to live with those characteristics that, that he spelled out. But he said, hey, you're blessed if you allow those to be the characteristics of your life. And uh, so he was showing his followers a better way. And then when he left the Beatitudes, those characteristics that, that we looked at, he, he walked into the fact that his followers were supposed to be different from the world. They were supposed to be salt. They were supposed to be light. And, and we talked about that last week as we walked through uh, what that looks like for us as believers and how desperately our world needs to see that from us, the salt and the light of, of those that truly follow Christ. And I tell you what, each week I'm still amazed at how it connects all of these different topics. When I was first studying through this and looking at this idea and counting through the different subjects and stuff that were in there, I'm like, how am I going to make all of this make sense? And God said, hey, let me handle that. Because it all does make sense as you walk through those different things. It just kind of builds on itself. And, And here this morning, we're finding ourselves in the last... Uh, four verses before he gets to uh, six things that he is trying to challenge his followers with. Uh, and so we're not going to get into those six uh, different things that, that, uh, of ideas that are different from what he saw, but he wanted to talk about those. He's preparing uh, his, his listeners to be able to hear those things. And so this morning, kind of what he is looking at is, uh, I've entitled it, The Importance of Scripture. Uh, Because Jesus is affirming scripture as he walks through this passage. But he's also building a background telling them that I'm not telling you anything different than what truth has already been spoken to you. 
Uh, and, and so for, for me, it's one of those, you look at the, the characteristics and how he challenges people to live. And, and, and in my mind, I'm sitting there going, if I was at the feet of Jesus, hearing all this, not only were the people were just amazed at the way he spoke. Uh, they were amazed at the authority that he had when he taught Scripture uh, in, in all the times that he, uh, that he spoke to them. Uh, but they were captivated by it. But it felt like he started that sermon with some stuff like, hey, I can't do that. I'm not going to be able to do this. How can I have that righteousness that you're talking about? How can I live up to all these characteristics? How can I be that difference maker in the world? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we sit here on Sunday mornings and we hear the challenge that God lays out for us and we look and go, Josh, you know what? I can't, I don't know that I can do that. Well, I'm going to be honest with you that I can't. I can't do those things. But when I allow God to work in my life, when I allow God to move, when I fully surrender to him, and I think that's what the picture that Jesus is about to paint here uh, in these four verses we're going to look at this morning, that if when we fully surrender to him, then those things start to fall in place. And the beauty of that is when we're fully surrendered to Christ, we don't have to make those changes. He does it for us. So those characteristics that he spelled out in the Beatitudes, us trying to be or walk differently in a world that's telling us, hey, you can just be who you want to be. And he's saying, I need you to be salt and I need you to be light. Those things just continue to happen as we surrender to him. And I think Jesus is starting to get to that point with his followers here uh, in the passage that we have this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start uh, in verse 17 uh, this morning. Verse 17 says this, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus had just challenged his followers up there in verse 16. He said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And he had just talked about being that light, being so uh, there to the earth and allowing people to see Christ in us. And he said, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. Now what he's talking about, he said, I didn't come to do away with everything that they knew as scripture in that time. And everything that they knew in that time was the Old Testament. So you look at all the pages of the Old Testament. He said, I didn't come to do away with those. He said, I didn't come. He said, don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. He said, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And our first point this morning, and something that we find here in this, uh, this passage when we're talking about the importance of Scripture, the first point is that all Scripture points back to Jesus. And what he's beginning to tell his people here that are listening to him, he's got this, this audience that's captivated in front of him. And he just told them about these characteristics. He just told them to live a better way that points back to God and everything that they do. He said, but don't think that we're doing away with the Old Testament. He said, because there's a lot about me in that Old Testament. All scripture points back to Jesus. And that's one of those things that, that oftentimes we, we, we forget those things. We forget that, that scripture 
starts with Jesus and ends with Jesus. He's in all of it. And when God said, let us make man in our image, he wasn't just talking about his multiple personalities or anything like that. He was talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus has been there through it all. The prophets talked about the Messiah. That Messiah was Jesus. And he said, I didn't come to do away with any of that. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. He said, I'm just trying to help you understand it and live the law because I'm going to fulfill it. See, the Old Testament's filled with a bunch of sacrificial system and, and, and that stuff that's there that's hard to keep track of and understand. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, their job was to explain that to the people, to teach them how to follow that law. And I'll be honest with you, they didn't do a very good job. And we're going to find that what Jesus thinks about their self-righteousness later on in this passage. But what he is saying is we, we got to understand that he said the law was pointing to me the whole time. When God gave the law, when God gave this and said, hey, this is what it is that you got to have. This is, this is what it is that you need to see. He said, all of that points to me. All that points to Jesus. One of the interesting things that I found in studying this passage is this is not the only time that Jesus has to answer the question about his view of Scripture. Multiple times throughout, the Pharisees tried to trip him up and say, well, well, teacher, what do you say about this? What do you say about this law? What do you say about this thing? They knew the laws, and they would throw those things out there and say, Jesus, what do you think about all of this? How would you handle this situation? And oftentimes, they were doing that to catch Jesus, to show that, that he was trying to be uh, contrary to the law, that he was pushing against Moses' law because they held Moses' law as in the utmost regard because that's what they had as their religion. That's what they knew. And so uh, they held it to a standard that, that really those words couldn't uphold. Uh, but so they tried to trip Jesus up. And so Jesus here, is he, he's even starting in this message saying, Guys, I didn't come to do away with what's written in Scripture. He said, I'm just here to fulfill it. I'm just here to, to show you what exactly it is about. Uh, James Boyce said this about Jesus in Scripture. It says, The Bible is about Jesus, and He is its fulfillment in all ways. He fulfills the moral law by His obedience, the prophecies by the specifics of His life, and the sacrificial system by His once and for all atonement. Jesus fulfilled the law. And in his sermon, he said, guys, before you get, before you get sidetracked, because he said, we're about to talk about six things that are spelled out in the law. And he said, I'm going to show you the issues of how you view those six things in the law. And I'm going to show you that there's a, a deeper meaning to the law than what is really there. Uh, he said, but I need you to understand that I'm not doing away with the law. He said, I'm just satisfying what the law requires. And that was a payment for sin. The law was there to show us that we could not earn our way to heaven. And that's still the truth today. Even with Jesus fulfilling the law, we still can't earn our way to heaven. You cannot be good enough. You can't pay enough. You can't sacrifice enough to make your way into heaven. You only make it through the gift of Christ and what he did on the cross for us. That's the only way we get in. And so he, he is telling them, he said, don't forget all of the law. He said, but here in a second, I'm going to show you 
a better way to understand the law and what the law was really about. And so Jesus told him, he said, don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And he said, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. There is a Hebrew letter that is, when it's written out, it's called the Yod. Uh, It's the Y, but it looks like an apostrophe. So a lot of people say that even that little mark and understanding their, the Hebrew language, the Greek language and all that, I, I don't. I don't understand a lot of that. Uh, I have a book in my office, this introduction to biblical Hebrew. I opened it up the other day and I knew just as much the other day as I did the first time that I opened it up uh, because I forgot everything that I learned in that one class. Uh, but there's lots of different strokes and things and you dot certain places and do all these things with it. You think the English language is confused and try learning one of those that uh, you don't see a whole lot. You don't see letters in. Um, but what he is saying here is that even looking at all those things, he said not a single part of it is going to fade away until all is accomplished. He said the law will remain. He said I'm going to satisfy the law. I'm going to fulfill the law. He said but the law will be here until there's a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what he was telling uh, the, the folks here that were listening to. He said, it shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. And so he is saying that don't get caught up in the, what the Pharisees are going to try and trip you up with. And saying, hey, you can't do this much. You can't do enough. You've got to do more. You've got to be more. You've got to earn more to be righteous in God's eyes. That is not the case. And I'm grateful this morning that I can stand before you and say that is still not the case for us today. It does not matter how much you do, how much you can do, how much you've been able to do, how much you will do. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have of Scripture. It doesn't matter if you can quote the entire, uh, the entire books of the Bible and, and all the verses that, that encompass those. It doesn't matter all those things. Yeah, we want to continue to grow in our knowledge, but that stuff is not... What's going to get you into heaven? What gets you into heaven is being covered by the blood. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. Luke 24, 27. I didn't give this one uh, to uh, those that run the screen. But if you want to write it down, you can check it out later. Luke 24, verse 27 says this. It says, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus even went back uh, with uh, the when he was on the road to Emmaus there. And he's talking with the, the handful that he's encountered. And he told them, he said, uh, they, they were... They'd asked some questions and he, he told them some stuff and then he began with Moses and said, here's the picture of me throughout all of Scripture. Even Jesus later on in ministry would show them all the ways that Scripture pointed back to who he is and the Messiah that he came to be. A lot of people will tell you that the Old Testament points up to Jesus, points forward to Jesus, and the New Testament points back to what Jesus did there in the Gospels. Uh, And so they'll break it apart that way. But all of Scripture points back to Jesus. That's why Scripture is important. It is, it is filled with the one that we say that we follow. If you label yourself as a Christian today, 
Christian, Christ being the root word, you are saying that I follow Jesus. Uh, that's who it is. That, that, that's the namesake that I claim as a believer. And all of Scripture is important to us because it all points to Him. And the beauty of it is the more you spend time in God's Word, you begin to realize that. You begin to see those parts where you're like, hey, I, I didn't notice Jesus in that book before, but there He is. Written there, plain as day for us to see. So all the scripture points back to Jesus. I tell you that because some people will say, well, since Jesus came, we don't need the Old Testament. I'll be honest with you, I need the Old Testament as a reminder that I can't do this on my own. I need the Old Testament as a reminder that I don't have enough cows or goats or doves and stuff to pay for the sin that's in my life. I need that Old Testament to, to, to say, thank you, Lord. For me being after the fact that I get to see that sacrifice. I get the whole picture of the story here. And I don't have to do all of those things. I can trust in the once and for all sacrifice of your son. Jesus is present all throughout scripture. And, he, and his authority on scripture. And he showed, he showed us, Jesus in his life showed us what real obedience looked like. To scripture. Jesus wasn't above the law as many thought he was in his actions. They thought the way that he handled himself that it appeared like he didn't need the law. No, Jesus was coming to show us what obedience to the law looked like and then he satisfied the law with his death on the cross. All scripture points back to Jesus Verse 19 brings out our next point that all scripture points to a better way of life. Verse 19 says this, Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. All scripture points to a better way of life. 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Here in, the, in this verse, Jesus is, is telling them uh, that he said, hey, whoever uh, doesn't uh, annuls one of the least of these commandments, whoever doesn't follow all the commands, whoever doesn't abide by all the things that are written here and teaches others to do the same, I wouldn't wish that penalty on anybody. He said that there, there's, a, there's a way to handle the law. There's a way to handle the scriptures. And, and, and he is saying that, hey, we can't just skirt past some of them and say, this is what I want for me. This is what I need. But, and oftentimes people tell you, well, scripture doesn't tell me anything about this situation. I promise if you dig enough, God will speak to you through scripture about every situation that you walk through. It may not spell out in words, black and white, what it is that you want to find so that you can justify or so that you can uh, say, hey, no, that is wrong or that is right. But I promise you that Scripture speaks to every situation that we walk through. 
Scripture points us to a better way of life. And the reason we know that is because of that Second Timothy passage that says that it's all inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. But in verse 17... It says, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Scripture talks about what it is that we're supposed to do. It equips us for the job that we have, and it shows us a better way of doing life. He told him, he said, you got to be careful to make sure that when you teach Scripture, when people are listening to you and, he, and he's, he's starting to ramp up to, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be showing you some things that are different than how you've seen them. But scripture is sufficient. Oftentimes we get to a place where we look and go, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. It does. I was that same way in college. There, there were... There were moments that I was like, well, the scripture doesn't say anything about this. And those were the moments that God would show me a passage. And so, well, Josh, is that beneficial for you? It may be something that you can do. Maybe it's a legal thing for you of age. It's not frowned upon by society. It's something that's, he said, but is it beneficial for your walk with me? Well, no, it falls into a different category than that. He said, okay, then I've talked about it. See, the truth is we... Oftentimes we try to look at this and go, well, it's not in black and white or red, so I'm okay. I've had people ask the question, well, if Scripture doesn't say something about it, then what do we do with that? The beauty of being a follower of Christ is He gives us the Holy Spirit. And when we have to try and justify things and say, well, Scripture didn't talk about this, so that's okay. That's when we start to get ourselves in trouble. And so we, we walk through these things and we, we, we sit there and we go, okay, well, it doesn't say anything about this. It doesn't talk about this subject. It doesn't talk about that subject. It doesn't talk about these things. Yeah, but what is the Spirit telling you? If you're having to ask people, what do I do if Scripture doesn't talk about it? What do I do if, if this is it? How about we spend time talking to God about it and looking at what He says is beneficial for us? When the Spirit convicts us to where we try to justify it with Scripture, oftentimes God's already told us His answer. And so Scripture here points to a better way of life because all Scripture points us to is it points us back to Jesus, but it points us in how we are to best follow Him even when it's hard. And Jesus is going to walk through, we're going to walk through some of those topics over the next few weeks as we look at some of the things that He breaks down. But before He ever gets to that point, He said, I need you to understand the authority of Scripture. He said, I need you to understand that what Scripture says, what the law says, is what is true, and we're going to build on that. My hope and prayer this morning is that everything that Highland does lines up with Scripture, and we just build on that. We continue to build on what it is that God says in His Word. If you want to know if it's right for you or not, let's find it in Scripture. Let's see what God says about that, and let's go with that idea. Run with what it is that God has laid before us. So many people get caught up in the fact that it was I didn't I don't hear audibly from God. No, but we have His written word 
So what does it say? We've gotten to the place where we just want people to tell us what it is we're supposed to do. And we don't spend time seeking God and finding out what it is that he wants us to do. And I pray that Highland never becomes that church. That you just stand up here and take my word for it. That you'll stand up here and you'll take Brad's, Brad's word for it. You'll, you'll come in here and you just go, okay, well, that's what they preached on. So that must be what it is that we're supposed to do. No, we, we need to be digging in the scriptures. We need to be growing personally so that you can vet the things that I say. Because there will be times that, that I may mix up words and not catch it. Sometimes I talk faster than my brain can think. Oftentimes I talk faster than my brain can think. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. Just sometimes, Brother David. Just sometimes. But the thing is, I want you all to be able to look and go, well, this is where that lines up with Scripture. That's not just Josh's word. That's God's word. And my prayer is that I help you understand God's word accurately to what it means. And Jesus is telling them here, he said, let's not get caught up in the fact that you're going to think, because everything he's already said has been really life-altering compared to what they've heard. They, they've only heard a few things from Jesus in the start of his ministry, and it was so captivating because it was so different from the legalism that was shoved on them. It was so captivating that they were looking and going, wow, we're going to go and see what this guy has to say. So they're following him in massive crowds because they want to hear what it is. And he said, I'm not doing away with the law. He said, I just come to fulfill it, which the Pharisees don't like because that takes their power away. That takes the legalism side away from them. But that's what they were casting on people. And so if you keep the people oppressed, then they'll keep coming back. And when they keep coming back, they keep paying tithes. And, and that's what the Pharisees were doing in that day. And that's what the religious leaders were doing in that day. And I pray that that is never something that is felt in this room as long as we are here. Because I don't want you to come back and say, well, I have no hope, so I just got to keep coming and, and doing this. No, I want you to come and find hope and purpose and life and then take that outside these walls and reach the people that are around you. That's my desire. We dig into God's Word, that we look and we're challenged, but we also grow with it so that we can go out these doors and affect people that God has put in our path. We don't want the oppression, the legalism that comes with the weightiness of the law. The law was heavy. There's a lot of it. It was really hard to satisfy that. And the Pharisees used that to keep people in check. They used that guilt. They used that shame. Hey, guess what? Y'all beat yourselves up enough. I don't need to cast any more guilt or shame to you. Many of y'all walk in this room with that that you're already carrying saying, hey, yeah, I didn't really want to be here today, but I knew I needed to be, so I came anyways. A lot of you already carry that guilt and shame. You don't need Josh adding to it. And I don't want to. Now, if God convicts with a message, that's, that's between you and God. My job is to love y'all, to love you enough to tell you the truth. And that's what I desire to do. With this, And that's what Jesus was telling him here. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. And he said, whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great. He was talking to his followers then. He said, what you need to do is that you need to keep 
the things that I teach you and teach others to do the same. He said, I want you to be a disciple that makes disciples is what he is saying there in verse 19. See, another picture of what Christ did for us, Romans chapter 8. Again, it's another verse that I didn't give to our screen people, but Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Y'all go back and check these out again later, but it says this. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and, and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. And verse 4 says, So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so what it is here, we, we've got Paul in this, this letter to the Romans saying, hey, you know what, the, the, Jesus paid that price. He fulfilled that law. What he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it, and he did that so you don't have to wear that condemnation anymore. So the beauty of this is the scripture that points us to a better way of life is the fact it points us to freedom. It points us to a way that we can live free in Christ and we can teach others to do the same as they see that joy, that freedom that we have. Even with our world falling apart, even with the circumstances of life, people can see the freedom that we as Christians get to celebrate. That's part of us being that salt and light. That's part of us showing the world that there's a better way. Jesus was teaching his followers in that day, there's a better way than to be pushed down by the law. Then he goes into the last verse there, verse 20. It says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I have no doubt that those folks said, what? What do you mean? We, we got to surpass the religious leaders? So in our context today, they're looking and going, we got to be better than the pastor? Hey, for y'all, you're lucky. It's not hard to be better than this one. Uh, but they're looking and going, we got to be better than the religious people today. The they know all the laws. They're the ones who explain it to us. They're the ones who teach us. We got to surpass them and their righteousness. Jesus is going to begin to unfold that throughout the rest of this chapter with six different things that they were using to oppress people. See, what, what was happening in this day and the point, third point here of, of the sermon is that all Scripture points to a relationship and not religion. All Scripture points to a relationship and not religion. The Pharisees were really good at religion. And what religion will do is it'll make you look good to everybody around you. What religion cannot do is it cannot change your heart. It cannot change who you are. The only thing that can happen uh, that can do that is a relationship with Christ. That is the only thing that can change your heart. Religion can, can do a lot of things to the world around you. See, everybody thought that the Pharisees had it figured out. 
Everybody thought that, hey, guys, because when they walked in the room, hey, they, they got the seat of honor. They got all this stuff. They were the cream of the crop. They were the best of the best. They knew all the answers in Sunday school. They were the ones who were teaching the classes because nobody knew the word better than they did. They had religion. They did not have a relationship. And so Jesus is beginning to point, to paint that picture to his followers here by saying, for I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, you can't be like the religious folks and live with me for all eternity. The church today has gotten to a place where we can fake religion pretty well. We can sing the songs. We can wear the t-shirts. We may even be able to pray the right prayers that sound good. And people look and go, man, I wish I had that type of relationship. When in reality, we're really dead inside. In reality, we're living a double life. I've walked that line until I couldn't blur the lines anymore. And I got called out for it by someone who loved me. He was my student pastor at the time. And he caught my mistake. He's like, Josh, that's not right. I had gotten really good at faking religion. I had gotten really, I was the pastor's son. I knew all the answers to the questions. I mean, I'd been bringing a Bible to church since I could carry one. I couldn't tell you how many Bibles I've had over my lifetime. I, I'd been in church every Sunday and Wednesday because that wasn't an option to not be at church. I had gotten really good at faking religion. I was just like the Pharisees. Until God got a hold of me and said, Josh, you don't even know me. I told him, you're right, I don't. And then I entered into a relationship. And then I didn't have to fake it anymore. I didn't have to try and be something that I wasn't. And for some of you in this room this morning, you're looking and going, do you know how exhausting that is? Yes, I do. Trying to be something that you're not, that is exhausting. You can't function. You can't do anything outside of the times where you're just faking that. You, you, you have no energy. You have no desire. You have no drive to do anything else because for so long you've created this picture of who you're supposed to be. And guess what? All you're doing is changing the clothes on the outside and nothing's happening on the inside. And you're saying, Josh, I feel dead on the inside. It's because you are and you don't have a relationship with him because you're faking religion. You can change all of this and fool everybody in this room. But guess what? Ain't nobody in this room going to stand before you on the day of judgment and say, hey, I know that person. They're a good person. God's going to say it doesn't matter because I don't know them. See, in the Sermon on the Mount, <laughs> some of the hardest words in Scripture are found in Matthew chapter 7. And we'll get there eventually. But the reality of this is, is you can fake a religion for a really, really, really long time and fool everybody but God. Because when he looks at you and he scans through that book 
and says, your name's not there. Depart from me, I never knew you. You fooled everybody else. We may be surprised to see you get out of line and go to a different line. But we don't get to speak about your character. So it does you no good to fool me. I said, well, the, the pastor knows I'm a good person. In that line, I'm just Josh. I got to have a relationship like the rest of you. So what Jesus was telling his followers here, he said, you got to have something different than a religion. You've got to have a relationship. Warren Wiersbe said this about the Pharisees and how they approached uh, their scriptures. So Jesus made it clear that he had come to honor the law and help God's people love it, learn it, and live it. He would not accept the artificial righteousness of the religious leaders. Their righteousness was only an external masquerade. Their religion was a dead ritual, not a living relationship. It was artificial. It did not reproduce itself in others in a living way. It made them proud, not humble. It led to bondage, not liberty. That's what Warren Wiersbe said as you look at the Pharisees and what they were walking through. The sad thing is, I think there's a lot of people sitting in churches across the nation, across the world today, that feel some of these words about themselves. That they're just going through a dead ritual, not a living relationship. You're not reproducing fruit because there's nothing that's growing fruit inside of you. We're not seeing evidence of change because there's nothing we've allowed to live in us to change us. See, Jesus is about to walk through some really tough things, but he had to have his people understand the importance of Scripture and the law. And for us today, we've got to understand that Scripture is God's Word. It is true. It points to everything that, that we need to see. It points to Jesus. It points us to a better way of living. And it points us to a relationship, not just a Sunday morning checklist or even a Wednesday night checklist. At the end of it all, Jesus wanted his followers to know that there was something different about following him than what they had seen from the Pharisees. The religious leaders of the day told them, hey, this is what it is you have to do to be righteous. And Jesus said, there's a better way. You can follow me and I'll give you freedom. You can follow me and I'll give you life. See, Jesus was all throughout Scripture. My challenge to you is that as you spend time in Scripture, find Jesus woven throughout. He is that common thread from Genesis to Revelation. Every time. It all talks about Him. Whether it's pointing to Him coming because of the need that is there or pointing back to what He did for us on the cross. It's all about Him. But this morning, what the world needs to see is a bunch of people who are in love with a Savior, not just people who know about a Savior. What the world needs to see is a, a group of folks that say, hey, I am invested in my relationship, not invested in a religion. Because religion cannot save you. Just being honest.
You can know all those verses. You can know the ABCs of becoming a Christian. You can have head knowledge of all of that. But until you allow God to step into your heart, it will not matter. So this morning, I ask you the question, do you have religion or do you have a relationship? That's the first thing that you need to ask yourself. Do I have religion or do I have a relationship? If you can't answer that this morning, I would love to talk to you. But maybe you're very quick to say, Josh, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I have a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's awesome. That is great. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with that relationship? Are you allowing that relationship to affect the people around you? Do you let people see that relationship? Because God said there's a better way than preaching legalism at people. So how about you show them that I love them just as I love you? I don't know how God's speaking to you this morning. I just trust that he is. That's my prayer all week is that God, you give me the words that would speak to your people. But now's come the time to answer what it is that he's speaking to you. Maybe he's asking you this morning saying, hey, I need you to step out and go forward and spend some time talking to me. Lay those things here. Let this be the place that you leave all of your junk and your baggage. We'll let Adrian vacuum it up this week. We'll let him take care of it. Y'all leave it here. We want it here. Nobody's going to come get your stuff. Leave your junk here and let us take care of it. And walk in freedom. Maybe this morning he's saying, you know what? You really do have religion. You don't know me. I would encourage you to come and enter into a relationship with Jesus. Because you can't change yourself. Only he can change you. Again, this morning, I don't know how he's speaking to you. But here in a moment, we're going to pray for courage and boldness for you to step out and respond to ever how it is that he is speaking. And I ask, if you simply would, to come and handle the business that he's asking you to handle today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth that it is. But God, sometimes that truth challenges us. Sometimes that truth is heavy. Sometimes that truth hurts. But God, sometimes that's what we need. So Lord, ever how you're dealing with your people, God, you see them here. You see their hearts. You see their minds. God, I don't know what they're walking through, but you do. And so Lord, for those that need to step out today, I pray that they would boldly step out of that aisle and come forward to deal with with what it is that you've laid on their heart. And God, if there's any change that happens, if there's life that is brought to this place, we promise to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise because you alone are worthy. Lord, help us to be obedient to your call. Help us to follow you. We'll give you the glory for it all. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a great day and may God bless you.